1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them did not believe the word, they might be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair or the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For... Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Here ends the reading. Morning, everyone. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our gracious Father and God, we... Pray that as we uh, look at your word, as we think about it, as we apply it, as we seek to live under it, that, Lord, you would uh, help us, lead us, teach us, be with us, and keep me from error, we would pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. If uh, there may be, it wouldn't surprise me, there might be a woman this morning from our congregation who is not here because of this passage. Uh, I just had a confession from someone I just preached at Wentworth Falls that she was not going to come because she didn't want to hear this again. We need to acknowledge that as we come to a passage like this, it's very difficult it's a difficult passage to hear. It's not an easy one to read. It's not an easy one to preach about. And particularly if you're female, it's not easy to hear. So I need to acknowledge that. Uh, it comes, as you might remember, in the context of chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. We've been talking about aliens and we want we to use that theme because it's different. We're to be different. And that's what Peter's saying. I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world 
to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul, live such good lives among those around you that they accuse you of doing wrong and may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That's Peter's aim. He wants people, he wants the people he writes to to love good ways, to avoid wrongful ways, and he wants them to do that as a witness, to point, for people to be pointed to Jesus in the way they live. This is, whole passage is in the context of submission, as we said from last week. And as we said then and we say it again, it's a dirty word. It's a dirty word today because of the way we understand it. And I must confess that I actually wonder whether we can hear the word properly without some sort of mis, well, our understanding of our society is that when you are submitted, there is a form of violence. That's not what the Bible wants us to think. Instead, we know that Jesus said, I have come not to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. We know that Jesus submitted his own wishes as he moved and lived and ministered. He submitted to his heavenly father. He stated that time and time again. The father sent the son who gave glory to the son, but the spirit was sent by the father through the son. The spirit gives glory to the son whose main mission is to bring glory to the father. In the Trinity, there's this great idea of continually honouring one another, of raising the other up, and that's the context. That's what's meant when we come to looking to live lives, in particular if you are married. If you love me, Jesus will say, you will love what I command, and I will ask the Father, he will give you another counsellor, the spirit of truth. Later he will say, these words you hear are not my own, They belong to the Father who sent me. So it is true that different roles does not mean less value, but our society struggles to think that way. The Trinity means that people are to lay down their claims to the other. It's true of us. As a church where we are to serve one another as Christ served us, it's true in marriage where each partner, husband, wife, are to serve and love each other as Christ has loved the church. I have a problem. In 2020, the Anglican Church had a survey about domestic violence within it. And it found that domestic violence within the Anglican Church across Australia was the same almost but maybe even greater in it than in the community. Now, I confess that I always thought, well, of course, Anglicans are like that. And uh, this is not an Anglican bashing episode. I want you to say that. 
because it's a wide community. And I was proud enough to think, well, we, I'm, I believe the gospel. Us gospel-believing people will be different. That I need to confess because that's wrong. To my shock and horror, the Sydney Diocese found that that wasn't true in its own communion, that they were the same as the society. So I struggle with the word submission because, and this passage in one sense because of the way that we as Christians have lived it out. I just want to say that if you come to me or to any elder in this church under my leadership, if that's the right word, we will believe you. I could name three women today who aren't in a church because when they came forward, they weren't believed. One of them came forward about an elder, not a Presbyterian, so we can get smug about that. They came forward about a complaint about an elder who had actually made advances towards her, who she was single. Of course, who does she tell? She tells the minister and the elders about the elder. And what do they say? We know him. It must be you. We know him. He's a good guy. He's trustworthy. And he, that's what happened. I know that this has happened. And I want you to know that won't happen here. If a complaint comes about me, it will be listened, I would hope. That's the policy. The policy is if you come forward, you will be taken seriously and listened to. Nevertheless, husbands are called to love their wives. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate to your as you live with your lives. Treat them with respect. Again, it's in the culture of Christ loved the church. If we were to read Ephesians 5, interestingly enough, Ephesians 5 starts with the words submit to one another before it goes on to wives and husbands or husbands and wives. I take it that the experience is if you are married that you love your partner, your wife, your husband, as Christ loved the church. It's an odd passage to do on Communion Sundays, you might think. But what it is about is about Christ. How we treat one another is vital. You see in the passage, uh, the wives are, when they have other husbands who are not Christians, the way they respond to their, their husband is to lead them to Christ. It was obviously a common thing. Similarly, Ephesians 5 tells about a husband who is willing to die as Christ loved the church, love your wife. A husband's concern must be for his wife. Lots of, I don't know about you, lots of Australian men are useless. 
they act like teenagers. They don't have any responsibility. They run away. They're all the time absent. They love to be not around. My goodness. But one of the things they often like to do is still be in charge. Ridiculous. There's a real call for us to take our place as people who lead and live in a responsible way. As Christ loved the church, Jesus did not run away but endured, persevered even to the cross. Men are meant to be in the image of our God and Father. Servant leadership. It's a great picture. It's a great and wonderful picture that deserves respect in a world that doesn't have an idea about it. But we must be careful because we who love Scripture have been part of that abuse. We have people who sometimes say, Bible says this, do this. If that is how you are a husband, please hear me now. You are in grave error. That's what this passage is saying. This is the truth. I once had to deal with a lady, <clears throat> uh, sorry, with a, a man. He came to me. There was a family. They were in a church I was in, and they'd only been to church, you know, a couple of times. they hang around and then sort of away, and they never around. And then eventually one day uh, her and the four kids disappeared. They left. And he suddenly was, you know, he was distraught. And he had contact with me. And he was telling me about, you know, it was I felt, you know, we met a number of times. What happened eventually as it came out was there was a reason she'd run away. It's because of the abuse that he put her through in almost every day. And when he came home from work, certain things were demanded right there, right then. I can tell you that just because someone quotes the Bible to you, they don't mean everything they say. Just because they can do that doesn't mean that's why they live. So hear me now and hear me good. This church says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You do not, if you have to say my word is the only word, you are not leading, living as Christ's husband. Wives, wow, it's terrible. How hard is this passage for you to hear? How hard is it not to respond in a way? Some of you will have found that really difficult to hear what is described, and I find it hard to respond to as well. What we can say is a wife is meant to love her husband as Christ has loved the church. In the same way, he says, wives, love your husbands, be, hold them dear.
give them respect. And it's not easy to do so. It's not easy for both partners, perhaps, to do so. So please hear that, that Peter's wants the wives and the husbands to give great respect and in a purity of their lives. It's not easy to read things like they're not, they are the weaker partner. Can't avoid it. I assume what it means in the context and in particularly in the culture, they aren't as strong as in physically strong. In the culture, women are chattel. They are basically bought and sold. They have no say. In that culture, love your wives. It's interesting in the first centuries, in, uh, as Jesus moves around, he's subverting the culture by the place he gives women. The fact that the Gospels have women in them at all would have been a problem for some. The church is meant to be a place where women have a valued place. They are made in the image of God, says Genesis 1. So it's time for us to make sure that women are given the place that they deserve. Today's culture encourages them to be sassy and independent and feisty. Men, Australian culture, we're encouraged to be shallow and irresponsible, a bit stupid, absent-minded, blah, blah, blah. All these things are error. All these things are wrong. And we need to make sure we follow what God has said. I just wanted to mention if you're single, so far you've been completely and utterly bored because marriage is, is all the church seems to talk about, marriage and families, I suppose. If you're single, I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you. If you are single, I want you to know you too are called to be living godly lives. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. If you are single, it's hard. It's not easy. You are in my prayers. And you are valued and loved by this church and you always shall be. As we think of this passage, we do struggle with what it says. But I want you to hear this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you need help, it will be given. If you need to be heard, you will be heard. If you need to be corrected, please be corrected. There are terrible stories from within the church. Let's make it our story that we actually go about it correcting those things. Let's pray. Gracious Father.
<clears throat> we thank you for your word. It's quite clear, and yet we uh, muddy it up. Uh, it's so muddied that it's even difficult for me to say the words which are there, uh, such is the experience of our society, and such has been the experience of people in the church. We pray for those, and perhaps we know some, we pray for those who are on the outside of the church because of what they experienced, particularly women in this area. It's a difficult area, but we ask and pray that we as the church would be different to our society. We pray that we would not seek to gain authority and ascendancy in our marriages. We pray that we would be like Jesus. We pray that we would serve. We pray that we would honour, love, cherish, respect. Rather, we pray that we would be people who were willing to give their lives for our marriage partner. Father, for all of us, uh, for those who aren't married, we pray. We ask, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would be with them and help them. Thank you for them. It's a great thing, great thing that they are single. It is a real blessing for many people, and we certainly pray that they might receive that blessing. We thank you that they are a treasured part of us, and we continue to pray for all of us here in each of our situations that, Father, you would be with us. But we ask that we would all walk in the way that Peter has called us. He's called us to live good lives that glorify Christ. We ask that your gospel would come alive in us and you might empower us to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen.